Well, hello there, my folks. I hope you all are enjoying the sweep of the mist in the mountains. Let's begin with our book three. To the end of our days. Six or seven, that's the age at which our essential tastes and even our obsessions begin to be stamped on us by outside impressions. They are never eradicated, even when we think we have forgotten them. To my dying day, I shall have a special fondness for the cosmos flower, because I remember walking through a forest of them, or what seemed like a forest when I was five or six. White, light purple, magenta, those fresh-faced flowers nodded to me as I played on the lawns of the Jamnagar Palace grounds. And today, more than 70 years later, whenever I see the cosmos in flower, I go among them, for they are eternal, even if I am not. And to this day, I like the sound of a cock crowing at a break of day, because this was one of the first sounds that impinged on my brain when I was a child. A cock crowing at a dawn. Harbinger of light, of optimism. Great day, great day, it seems to say. And it will not be denied. Little things stay with us over the years. The sound of a broom. The small hand broom sweeping the steps or the veranda takes me back to that distant, vivid childhood. And that thin, dark woman who sweeped the bungalow's rooms and veranda. I loved watching her at work. It seemed like a game to me. And sometimes I would take the charu from her and sweep so vigorously that the dust rose and settled on the furniture. Meme Sahib will be angry, she did say, and take the broom away from me. But she did let me borrow it from time to time when my parents weren't around. The broom motif has remained with me. And the other day, seeing that my steps were covered with dead leaves, I picked up the small jharu lying outside my door and began clearing away the leaves. The local shopkeeper on his way to the bazaar saw me sweeping uh, sweeping away and called out, Sir, what are you doing? It is not your job. Give the jharu to the sweeper. Well, Absorbed in my childhood hobby, all I could say was, Yes, ma'am, Sahib. While sending up a flurry of dead leaves, he continued on his way, muttering something about the poor old writer having lost his balance at last. Not all our early impressions are of a pleasant nature, but they linger with us just the same, like the frequent quarrels that took place between my parents. Frequently in my presence, I hated these quarrels and I was quite helpless to stop them. Eventually, they led to my parents' separation and all my life, I have felt profoundly disturbed if I see or overhear a husband and a wife quarreling bitterly. I look around to see if a child is present and then realize that I am that child. Fortunately, the most lasting impressions are the harmonious ones. 
why do i still prefer homemade butter to factory made butter because when i was 5 or 6 i would watch my father vigorously beating up a bowl of cream and then spreading a generous amount of creamy white butter on my toast now bina who looks after the household knows why i am always demanding creamy white homemade butter for breakfast and you my dear reader will have similar impressions to carry with you all your days that first day at school maybe an agonizing parting from your parents the face of a loved one lost a pullover knitted knitted by your granny a favorite toy a doll perhaps a book of rhymes tattered and torn someone who gave you a flower a kiss on the forehead to the end of your days you will carry that kiss with you and may it protect you from all harm the first book i read that first book and i don't mean the first book that i wrote but the first book that i read it has to be the big book of nursery rhymes which was given to me on my birthday when i was 4 or 5 most of those traditional rhymes though not the longer ones have remained embedded in my memory all these years and i am able to recite them along with small children who encounter them at school shakespeare may have immortalized romeo and juliet hamlet and the merchant of venice but equally immortal are those characters whose creators were anonymous old mother hubbard three blind mice five little pigs humpty dumpty four and twenty blackbirds old king cole mary and her little lamb little miss muffet simple simon and poor old jack who fell down and broke his crown but did jill get hurt too i asked my father who said she probably had minor injuries those nursery rhymes formed the bedrock of my english education and i can think of no better way of introducing a child to the delights of language and lit- literature some of those verses were funny some were sad and they often told stories that were unfinished and ha- or had hidden meaning hark hark the dogs do bark the beggars are coming to town some in rags and some in bags and some in velvet gowns this was of course an english r- nursery rhyme which probably had its origins in 16th century england or earlier but it applied quite equally to the small town of dehradun where i spent much of my childhood for here on a friday the lepers would be allowed out of their colony to beg into the town and though i did not see any in velvet gowns these poor affected people were dressed in the only clothes they possessed dirty ragged unchanged and did the dogs bark scores of street dogs suddenly realizing that they had competition for charitable handouts set up a tremendous howling snapping and snarling at the heels of this ragged band of harmless diseased beggars but never actually attacking them because even they like the more prosperous locals seem to sense that these beggars were special If other humans keep kept their distance 
then so would the wily street dogs who were just as superstitious to more cheerful rhymes humpty dumpty he had a great fall from which he did not recover mother hubbard poor old lady found her cupboard quite bare not even a bone for the for the dog three blind mice if they hadn't been blind they would probably have kept their trails simple simon couldn't afford a pie poor chap miss muffet aha little miss muffet sat on a tuffet eating her curds and whey down came a spider and sat down beside her and frightened miss muffet away poor miss muffet a victim of arachnophobia empty cupboards people falling down and breaking their heads and little girls terrified of spiders are only some of the unpleasant things that happen in nursery rhymes they warn us when we are small children that the world into which we are venturing is not a perfect one and that we should be prepared for a few shocks they prompt us to ask questions to our parents and elders who was the naughty boy who pushed a poor pussy into a well why did he do it who killed cock robin and why a poor robin i said the sparrow with my bow and arrow many rhymes originated 2 or 300 years ago and refer to incidents that have long been forgotten forgotten disasters often appeal to young minds which accounts for the popularity of rhymes which are a mixture of humor and violence but many old rhymes were true poetry and give us a feel of the beauty of language how many miles to babylon i had a little nut tree twinkle twinkle little star are gentle verses that led us into poetry and the better things in life one of my favorites lavender blue dilly dilly lavender green when i am king dilly dilly you shall be my queen so simple and yet it says so much my father had a gramophone record which featured a selection of nursery rhymes sung by a music hall comedian of the 1920s i think he had chosen it more for the benefit of my mother than of than for me as one of the ditties went oh what have you got for dinner mrs pond there are geese in the parlor and ducks in the pond well mrs bond did not have to bother about making dinner we had a good cook especially in jamnagar where we lived until i was 6 and he made my favorite mutton kofta curry which went down well with the pea pulao he was also good at making cutlets and rissoles and his irish stew would have had irishmen dancing a jig I had no complaints about food food until I was sent to boarding school in Masuri In my school days fat boys were a rarity It's true we had to run around a lot and we certainly weren't were not overfed and these may have been the reasons for our lean and hungry looks 
I can remember just one fat boy in our midst and I can't remember his real name. He was just fatty to the rest of us. And he, poor chap, was often the butt of practical jokes and rude remarks. The most famous of fat boys was Billy Bunter, a fictional character who attended an English public school and was notorious for his love of good food and lots of it. He would go to almost any length to purloin someone else's food parcel or picnic hamper and he would wolf down their contents with the appetite of five normal boys. But then Bunter was an exception. Today, fat boys and girls are the norm. Every time I visit a school in New Delhi or its environs and I must have visited at least 20 in recent years, I am struck by the large number of overweight children in the classrooms and assemblies. In some cases, it might be due to hereditary, fact, hereditary factors, in which case there is not much that can be done about. But I suspect that it is more often due to lifestyle. Too much guzzling of fast food and sugary soft drinks, lack of exercise, an indoor life, hours spent on a live laptop or sitting in front of a TV screen, a car journey for the smallest errand and lots of partying. After all, you don't find overweight slum children, so it has to be lifestyle. My advice, switch off the TV, lock down the computer, get into the open, walk or cycle down the road. Visit the nearest park, jog a little, roll about on the grass, climb a tree if you can. Climbing trees in the best, is the best kind of exercise. Look at those lead, sinewy young men in Kerala, whizzing up and down coconut trees. I knew an old lady who was climbing trees when she was 60. She had a perfect figure. Are you having trouble tying your shoelaces? That means you are out of shape. So do something about it now or become a permanent member of the Billy Bunter Club. Aha! My Adventure Wind Adventures happen to the adventurous but fantastic things can happen to anyone. That's what I called it when I was a boy. A wind that sprang up unexpectedly, bringing me to life, reviving me if I was in the dumps. I remember the first time I gave it a name. I was 12, sitting with a friend on a bench at the far end of school's first flat, facing the Tara Devi hill across the wide valley. The air was still very still and my friend Omar and I were quite equally still, not knowing what to do with ourselves during the 20-minute break before supper. Then this wind appeared from nowhere, as it does sometimes in the Himalayan foothills. It ruffled my hair, made my eyes sting a little, lifted the football scarf from my shoulders. I looked down at Omar. He was unruffled. He had thick black hair and he used brill cream. 
no wind could affect it this wind i said doesn't it make you feel adventurous it makes me feel cold he said let's go inside it's almost supper time aha it makes me feel adventurous i said i want to run about i want to fly well don't fly here it's a big drop to the next flat and you will only break your neck let's run as far as the dining hall that way we will be the first in the line for supper so we raced across the flat but on an impulse i took a right turn and ended up breathless just inside the school gate which had just been closed for the night i was tempted to climb the gate and escape into the darkness but i wasn't really thinking of running away from school all i wanted was a little freedom so i stood there under the deodars and the wind that had just brought me there now made its presence felt high up in the tree with a woo 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 a strange humming sound unique to the branches of this particular species of tree the wind makes different sounds in different trees as i was to discover over a period of time in certain trees a rustling sound as in the oaks and horse chestnuts in the pines it whistles in the deodar it hums in the maples in the spring it makes a sound like castanets all different kinds of wind instruments you might say in the plains the trees are different and a strong wind will bend the tall eucalyptus tree and make it groan and sigh and the jacaranda and laburnum shed their petals silently without resistance the mango crackles as it loses a branch or two an old unsupported banyan tree comes down with a crash nothing can prevail against the wind once it has gathered strength and momentum when i was 17 or 18 i lived in the channel islands between france and england almost every day was a windy day and in winter there were gales rushing across the sea and tossing small ships about standing on the crest of a hill i could lean against the wind without falling over late one evening when the tide was in i stood on the sea wall enjoying the sound of the wind and the waves and as i as the salt spray struck against my face i knew it was my adventure wind it stirred something inside me and i resolved to leave the island the very next day and see what life could offer me in london and this i did much to the consternation of my aunt and uncle who had opened their home to me but i was 18 and free and eager to make mistakes so off i went my london days were another story This is about the wind my own personal wind and it found me again many years later when i made my home on this first himalayan range 
open to wind and rain and brilliant sunshine. I have been looking for you all these years, said the wind, as it came rushing up the hillside to take me in its arm and hold me in its loving embrace. It tussled my hair and kissed me on the lips and cheeks and flung my scarf away and was so overpowering that I had to run home and lock the door against it. And then it was at the windows doing its best to get in. Let me in, let me in, it shouted. And then the rain came and quelled it and it went away sulking but promising to be back. It came back the other night, bringing with it a heavy fall of snow. The window panes were thick with frost and ice, but a strong morning sun cleared this way, and the snow-covered hills were revealed in all their sublime splendor. Sublime splendor! I must learn not to use words in excess of their meaning. Just splendor was sufficient and more effective. Anyway, the wind went away, leaving me with the snow and an irate milkman. He had been ringing the bell for some time, but of course, there was no electricity for two days and nights, so the bell wasn't working. We were without any news of the outside world, as there was no TV or newspaper delivery phoned Dolly in Amritsar and asked her to bring me up to date on the news. She told me that a certain minister's wife had been found dead in her hotel room in mysterious circumstances. <sighs> Trust a woman to give me this choice of little scandal. Whatever happened to the election campaign, Syria and a falling rupee, these things will pass of course and they cannot compete with a love triangle ending in tragedy. Day 4 and still no electricity, except in the homes of the super-rich where generators have been installed. Now Bill can't use his electric blanket and Bina can't recharge her cell phone. Hundreds of cell phones are useless, cannot be recharged. By some miracle, my old telephone which is usually out of order, is working perfectly. In the hotel down the road, there is no water and won't be until the pumps start working. The bank's computers aren't functioning either. Back to the pen or the old typewriter. Oh, for the life of a hill station in midwinter.